0: Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors with your host Drew Kirby. Hey,
1: this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Raleigh Green. I'm
0: Travis Denning.
1: Hey, I'm
2: Aaron Lewis.
0: Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. Welcome back. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors, and as always, we like to bring in Janet and Brian from uh, Wyoming Game and Fish Department. to you know, give information. And Janet, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking a lot about getting out in the outdoors and doing hunting and filling your tags. And And uh, last week, we, we talked with Ben about some of the great recipes and some of the ways you like to eat your wild game and and process it up. So we thought this week would be great to bring in some pros.
3: That's right. You know, um, Justin likes to think that he is the expert on a lot of things, but sometimes he is not. Therefore, we did bring in the experts, and we have a couple folks with us today from Dan's Meat. You know, there's a lot of people that harvest and process their own game, and then there's a lot of people probably the majority of people actually harvest their um, wild game and then they take it to a meat processor to actually get processed. You know, they can determine the cuts of meat that they want, but there's a lot of key things that can go into making your harvest that much better. And so we have Jennifer and Josh with us here from Dan's Meat and Brian can chime in as well. And we want to talk a little bit about some do's and don'ts that will help you in the field when you get to the processor.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing that that the rumors that that fly around how you shoot your deer or your antelope and how you process it is, well, if they're running, you you don't want to shoot them. You want to wait for them to to stop. If their adrenaline is pumping. And can you kind of debunk this or, or back this factor up that that really does play a role in, in how the meat will come out at the end, Josh?
2: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, if you're out antelope hunting, you know, they've been on the run all day. Uh, it, it is going to affect the meat a little bit. You know, the the preferred shot absolutely is a, you know, a standing shot when they're running. A lot of times they don't lead far enough ahead. So they end up shooting them in the hindquarters or, or gut shot. Um, it's not as bad as as as, as everybody thinks. Uh, yeah, the adrenaline is pumping through. Um, as long as you get them down, gutted, uh, skinned, you know, cleaned out, cooled down, you're you're going to be just fine.
0: What time frame is best? I, I know sometimes you you make a shot and you have to pull out because it, it, you may have to let the animal expire. But if your animal is down, how quickly should you be you know getting that meat? cool down and on ice?
2: Oh, as soon as possible. Um, The very first thing to go bad on, on any animal uh, or any, any living creature really is blood. If you don't get them bled out, uh, get them gutted. uh, That's going to, especially during the heat uh, antelope season, you know, right in the middle of, of the end of summer here, you know, so that the blood will start turning bad very quick. You know, you got to get the, the, the insides out and that's, that's from front to back, you know, that, we get a lot of animals that come in. Uh, they still have the, the anus in them, the uh, tracheas in them, you know, and and bacteria grow in the whole entire digestive tract. Um, so if you leave any parts of those in, especially in the heat, the, the bacteria are going to multiply. So
0: if an animal is is down, not dead, and does will it start to rot before it expires? Oh, absolutely.
2: Um, it, it fevers, uh, you know, it, just like a human um, you know, it goes into shock, uh, and the bacterias do start to grow. Absolutely. Um, but like I said, you know, the, the heart's still pumping, the animal's still alive. Um, it's dying slowly and it's, it's no fault of the hunter, you know, I mean, it, it happens, but it's usually, like I said, an overnight thing. And even, even when it's cold outside, you know, that the animal with that heart beating, uh, the, 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 heat's still in there has no way to escape so yeah it will it will immediately start rigor mortis everything you know as soon as they die so
0: jennifer are you seeing any things this year where maybe people need to adjust what they're doing because of the situations and the way the meat's coming in
4: we've had a lot of animals come in spoiled this year because of that and um they're not taking care of what they need to be um i think they're trying to save it we've got a couple of people who would want us to process it even though it's been um, done. I think that people don't don't understand that once we've processed it or we bring it in, it infects everybody else's meat.
0: So if someone really delays when they get the meat to the processor, it could affect a lot of people then.
4: If they come in molded, we really don't like to put it we can't we have to take the mold off. We don't put it in the coolers because of the spores. We are finding that people are doing that. But that's why we're here, so that people know that keep it cool, quarter it out, keep it on ice. I think people w- worry about water log, freezing their meat that it's not good. But sometimes people don't have that option. I don't think it affects the meat anymore. Do you, Josh? Yeah, I
2: mean just the frozen once in a while. But if that's their means, that's fine. Yeah, you know, bringing it in frozen, we prefer you know on ice let the cooler drain, change the ice out.
3: So do you guys prefer like a whole carcass with the bones in and everything? Or do you guys prefer that customers bring it in boned out prior to
4: processing? Good question. Boned out. Boned out gives us a headache. Yeah. It's a lot of extra work. I know there's guys out there who pack 12 12 miles in and have to pack out. But when you do it, it's Mm pre-processing at some point. And then you bring us pieces that have been rolled in dirt and now we've got to go through every nook and cranny and then if you've got you've held on to it for too long then we have to reskin the whole animal everything every little tiny piece has to be reskinned and you lose a lot you think you're saving some but you're losing a lot
2: some processors won't even accept boneless meat anymore because you know and it's 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 not the boneless meat it's the entire elk that's boned out that that we don't like you know front quarters and hind quarters Leave the femur bone in. You don't have to take all of it out. Um, so what? why is that a big deal? My biggest thing is they don't take a tarp with them or a, a gallon of water. I, I know they're packing in, they're hiking, but they bone it out. They just throw it on the ground. What happens is they pile all that together in, in their packs. They bring it back to camp and then it sits there for a day before they come in, you know, or or four days, depending on their, their trip. Uh, by the time it gets to us, um, everything's dried all the way around the meat not boned out you deal with just the outside of the 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 meat you know if you're going to quarter it leave the hide on leave the hide on that's going to protect the meat you know but they, they take it all off pack it together so now everything's filthy but once it's dried into a uh after you skin there's a silver lining around all the muscle and once the dirt and everything gets into that it dries it, you're not getting it out it, it's impossible and and we get it though you yeah know? I, people, mean, we absolutely I mean we do, do, understand
4: people can't go in and take their truck yeah we get that but in that case if you have to do that take it home take it out of your packs clean it yourself a little bit and then Mm -hmm. bring it in that helps us a lot when we get deboned meat it goes a long way when it says that you guys have cleaned it and done the work yourself at some point before we get to it
3: what else would you think that people
4: should know before they go like what else should they take in preparation to help you guys water bottles Mm -hmm. i I mean everybody's got a vehicle so even if you're walking somewhere to go get that vehicle or go get the animal you're going to come back to your vehicle if you have water bottles in there you can clean some of your carcass you can clean your hands obviously or call the processor make sure you find out if they're full because if we're full we're going to tell you you're going to have to hang it somewhere keep it cool and i would say reservations when you call and i tell you i'm full don't make a reservation for an animal that's not dead because now you're taking a spot that may be you. It may be somebody who made a reservation and you have an animal dead and I can't get it in because someone's made a reservation spot because they think they're going to get. And then I go through the list every night and call and make sure that they're coming in the next day. And then they're like, Oh, I didn't get it today. Sorry.
0: Go ahead and take me off the
4: list. But now I held that spot. And I'm on a, you know, I'm five days from now because I've got those spots taken. Okay. So it, it, it does, it doesn't help anybody.
0: I've seen a lot of videos going around where guys are moving to the gutless type of uh, field dressing. And what are your thoughts on that? Does that hurt or help the process?
2: Oh, that's fine. That's, that's not any different than just quartering an animal. You know, they, they don't get their full tenderloins out, um, you know, and they don't get their side meat. Most of them don't get their neck meat. Um, but it's 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 completely legal, and and it's it's less mess. Yeah, it's it's no different than just uh, gutting and quartering. So it's it's pretty much the same.
0: So basically, it's that's just a time saving method of of the harvest. If you're not gutting, the, pretty much. what yeah. about on on some I, of the smaller animals? You know, like if it's a, an antelope, are you seeing? folks that are doing the gutless uh, method there too
4: we've seen a lot of quartered up antelope this year
0: so it's really becoming more popular with not just elk oh absolutely i mean quartering an antelope the
2: problem therein arises that you know they they don't they don't skin it you know out in the field and if they do skin it you know it does come in dirty but here nor there you know quartering an antelope in the middle of the heat getting in a cooler on ice that's absolutely you're gonna protect your meat a lot a lot better that way.
5: Under game fish regulations, uh, the hunter has to retrieve the meat from the field. And that would include your front shoulders, your hind quarters, your back straps, and your tenderloins. So even if you do the gutless method, you still need to sneak in there and grab both tenderloins. It's really, really simple to do. Uh, once you've done it once, um, you can actually slip in on the backs, you know, on the back of it and actually cut those tenderloins out even in the gutless method. But uh, the best way to do it is after you've taken everything else off and you have that meat, of course, away from Then you can slip in and and grab those two tenderloins. But that is a requirement to have. It is frequent enough that uh, people do not take those out because they're doing the quartering method, that they're not aware that that's part of a requirement to legally take from your your game uh, when you harvest it.
0: So, Brian, from the Game and Fish stance, would it be better to, to go with the gutting method and, and then that way you know what you're getting?
5: No, I mean, I, I actually do it myself for me, especially for deer and antelope. It's pretty simple. And it's actually like they're saying, if you can keep the meat clean, you can actually skin each leg at a time and um, quarter that out. I mean, the first thing you do is just skin one one leg and then you, you pull it off the meat and you lay it on a tarp. So it doesn't get all dirty, and then you go, you skin up to the, you know, the front shoulder and do that, and then, like I say, while you're on that side, you might as well take the the back straps off, and then you got all that done, then you flip it over and do the same thing.
0: Uh, Josh and Jennifer, are, are you guys seeing where people are bringing their their animal to you, and are they wanting a, a plethora of different cuts of meat, or are a lot of people just grinding it down and and saying give me burger right now they just want to get as much meat in the freezer as possible
4: i'd say a little bit of both most i mean we've got a lot of those that are keeping their own steaks and doing their own backstraps and tenders and stuff and and just want burger in the last couple years it's been more about people wanting to put freezer, meat in the freezer and, and keep their family fed.
0: You bring up the, that program, and do you feel like it's still a prominent program and, and people are benefiting from
4: it? The program's an awesome program. In the very beginning, we had a lot of donations, but I've noticed in the last couple of years it's kind of dropped because people are, are actually keeping their animals this these last couple of years and and benefit from it. From it. And so for
3: listeners that don't know, the program that Jennifer is talking about is called Food from the Field. And it is a program that was started by First Lady Jenny Gordon. And it's a fantastic opportunity for hunters that maybe don't um, choose to eat their meat to donate that wild game meat um, through a donation program. And it's it's really fantastic. And I highly encourage hunters who still want to get out and hunt, but maybe just don't eat as much meat as they used to. To really kind of um, get online and find out the details, and Dan's Meat is one of the processors that will do the processing and donate the the meat down to um, anyone who is on the list. And if you are interested in meat, don't hesitate to get on the list as well.
0: Jennifer and Josh from Dan's Meat Processing, and and I know that you guys are really busy. The We're Full sign has been out, but what should folks do? If they're planning on uh, on harvesting an animal and, and need to bring it in to you.
4: Keep checking in, call. Um, you know, like I said, people drop off the list because they've taken it somewhere else or they've decided to process it themselves. Absolutely, call. We're pretty open.
0: Well, you know, that's really kind of, well, and that's really cool. You guys are, are open. You know, you want to help people. You want to make sure that they get the best out of their, their animal as as possible. And that really shows because people keep coming back to you and keeping you busy. I want to tell our customers that we wouldn't
4: be where we're at if we didn't have them. So those guys, um, what they do really keeps everybody going. Everything that's happening in, in, uh, the meat processing world. If we didn't have these little powwows and these kind of talks, um, but those customers, they're, they're, they're the ones that keep us going. So. Keep doing
0: what you do. Absolutely well said, Jennifer. Uh, hey, Josh, Jennifer, stick around. I want to go through the actual process of what it takes for when someone harvests an animal and comes to see us. So let's cover that in just a few minutes here on Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. It's Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. And we're back, Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors, and this is a, a, a really a show that we've, like Janet said earlier, wanted to have for a while, and and luckily Jennifer and Josh from Dan's Meat Processing have agreed to come on the show and really give us the behind the scenes look at what needs to happen when your uh, your animal is down and you're ready to take it in to the processor and. And, Jennifer, let's start with you because you're going to be the person that when, uh, you know, a hunter calls or shows up, they're going to be the the first person that you're going to be the first person that they see and talk to.
4: Yep. They get to come in. We uh, do some paperwork. They fill out some uh, Game and Fish paperwork board on our cold storage. And then we do their cuts, which is they get we take their tag, their carcass coupon, and tag every piece that comes in with their name on it it and then we've got a pretty cool rail system that goes from one end to the other kind of like a train goes into the cooler and then uh, when your time's up it gets to josh's room and josh
2: so yeah it comes down we take a look at the cutting instructions cutting sheet i break it down uh, get it on the table we debone everything Uh, we go through um, the front shoulder shot if it's a hind quarter shot make sure all the blood shots pulled out uh, any bone bullets Archery season, we pull broadheads, uh, you know, they, they, they get in the animal, they get stuck in a bone. You know, we, we try to recover those for the hunter. Then we, we do all the trimming, uh, make sure everything's clean, goes into a trim bucket, cut your steaks, make your roasts, uh, send it down to the grinder, uh, grind your hamburger. And then uh, we send it back over to Jen and her ladies.
4: <laughs> then we get it and we pack it and uh, sing songs while we pack it and have fun <laughs> while we're there. And, uh, and that's when you listen it's, to Drew,
3: right? Yes, that's right. Yes,
0: yeah. we do listen
4: to a lot of Drew. And we pack it, and with love, we pack it the way you want it. That's yep. And it's one animal on the table at a time.
2: Yep, yep. We do one from one at beginning to end. Yep. So,
4: How many do you typically
3: process in one day?
2: Depends uh, size-wise. You know, if we're doing elk and antelope or deer, you know, we can process 6, 7 elk, um, you know, 14, 15, 16 deer, antelope. Uh, It just varies. Um, We do everything from buffalo uh, all the way down to, you know, uh, tiny little antelope.
0: Josh, let me ask you real quick. So Jennifer brings the the customer in and says, okay, what cuts do you want? So, like, what are the options when somebody brings an elk in that they get to choose from? Uh, Do they have something in their mind already most times, or is it something that— You have a list, and then they can just kind of check what they want.
2: Yeah, I mean, most of everybody that comes in usually has done this before. uh, But we do have a cutting sheet. uh, And on that cutting sheet, we've got, you know, your typical steaks, loins, tenders, roasts, hamburgers at the top and then down below we do the specialty stuff where we have we do sausages breakfast sausages uh we do um logs Mm -hmm. uh, sticks out of your own meat there's a whole list jen goes through with with the customer you know and gives them their options so and and she doesn't rush anybody you know she'll she'll go through and explain anything that needs to explain to them Um, and they they make their choices
4: i spend a lot of time with the customer because like you said the customer is the one who who's got us where we're at so Um, you know, it's important to hear what they need, what they want, what's important for their family and what's more, you know, economical for them.
0: So if someone wanted to add sticks and, you know, maybe a log or or something like that, does that make the process a little longer? Does it take a little longer then?
4: Yeah. If we're going to make a product, I always tell everybody two months, of course, then we've got, um, Thanksgiving coming up and Christmas. So at Thanksgiving time, the smokehouse is pretty much dedicated to turkeys and, and hams, at that time. Um, and then we go into Christmas time, which is mostly turkeys, but I can get back on the list in doing so by the end of March, I would say is when most of the product for wild game is out the door. So, and that is just the stuff that you're, you're making, right? For making them. Yes. for them. Yes. Yes. If, if you, you're, animals. if you're doing a specialty, you know, sticks, logs, wieners, um, any of those types of things, your breakfast sausage is going to come to you when you're doing your animal, but it does take some time.
0: So if you're just doing steaks and burger and roast, I mean, are we talking a week?
4: Yeah. And I would say a week and a half because um, once we've got, you know, we're doing invoices at the end of the day, it really takes a lot of people and a good crew to be able to make everything manage and work as a whole.
0: And to have a little patience on the, the customer side too, because there's there's a lot of work that goes into it, especially this time of year when you have a whole, you know, cooler full of, of meat ready to, to be butchered up.
4: Yeah. And most most people are pretty patient. We don't I don't really have a whole lot of people that are unpatient. Mm-hmm. And if they are, they call, you know, and explain and they're right back to being settled down so
3: and anyone who has butchered their own animal knows that it takes hours if not days mm-hmm. and so the appreciation of someone else kind of taking on a lot of that work is also adds to a lot of the like oh no no take your time you guys have it for for longer right, than right. i need you're good
0: well uh, josh jennifer we appreciate it and i know that there are a lot of people that kind of have thought well i drop it off then what happens so now I think they have a little better understanding and, and maybe they'll, you know, pre-plan a little bit before uh, they come in and kind of speed the process up.
4: Yeah, I, I welcome anybody who wants to come in and look at our process and see yep. things. We're a little busy right now, but you can definitely come in and I'll I'll do a little quick tour real fast and so you can see how things work. Come meet me. There you go. Yeah, because Josh is always in the back. He's never in yeah, front. Yeah. I don't get much customer
2: interaction. I'm like the redheaded stepchild.
0: Josh is like, come on, guys. Come see me, please. I'm back here. <laughs> come see me. I'm in the back. It's fun. Believe me. Very good. Well, guys, thank you again for uh, for coming on the show. And and uh, I, I really look forward to maybe having you back on, maybe at the end of the season to, to see how it went.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: For sure. Thank you. Thank you. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors.
0: It's Drew along with Brian Woodward from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, and Brian. The weather has been a little different since the last time we spoke, and uh, rain, snow up on the mountain, cold weather, and really making for a really difficult you know first couple of weeks of uh, rifle season.
1: Yeah this uh, last week had definitely some sloppy days in the field for some of these uh, hunters and anglers too but uh, yeah talked to quite a few guys on uh, a Wednesday afternoon that were out uh, doing some big game hunting and uh, got caught in that rainstorm which turned into hail which turned into sleet which turned into <laughs> wish they had a sled to, yeah, to pull their right. animal.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, you know it's funny you can get all those things here, at Rocky Mountain Pulpers. <laughs> you, you can certainly <laughs> <laughs> you know and, and we we really talk a lot about you got to be prepared for anything because you never know how it's going to be. Right. We all kind of knew that that weather was going to move in, but it was it was questionable what it was really going to happen. Sure. where you know casper mountain and, and on the other side of muddy Mountain, I mean you're you're in snow right now. We were looking mm-hmm. at the the pictures and camera up there, and there's snow up there.
1: Yeah, you know, on a Thursday morning, I guess, uh, you know, there was three or four inches by 7 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, you know, it's supposed to, you know, be in a warming trend. And I think that we'll probably see that. But that doesn't mean that, you know, you had two days uh, Thursday, Friday to try to beat some of the weekenders up there. And now you're uh, fighting weather to go along with it.
0: You know, and, and that really leads, me, leads us back to the being prepared. Because if you were in Casper, it was raining and kind of cool if you weren't expecting going up and, and around and, and getting into snow boy to have your truck prepared with you know your boots and your warmer clothes
1: well yeah it was just a week ago that you know we're up there hauling hauling out a, a friend's a daughter's elk and we were in t-shirts you know right. and so you know if you're not layered properly or not 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 watching the weather forecast watching you know the the radar and seeing what's going on you know, I had another friend that was uh, up grouse hunting about a month ago, and he was up there with his dogs, and all of a sudden got stuck in a hailstorm. And you know, he hunkered over to kind of protect the dogs, but the back, his back was pelted oh, like man. bruised from uh, hail. You know, just to kind of keep his dogs protected.
0: So you know, being prepared for for whatever you're going to do this this season, if it's heading out, well, I think uh, duck season's closing as of today, I mm-hmm. believe, right? right? I think so, in this area. Yeah. And and then uh, we get back into Uh, goose and duck in November and then the elk season is still just really fresh because in some areas it just opened this weekend, yeah,
1: this weekend. So yeah, just you know, you got to really keep track of. I, mean, I almost have a calendar, kind of, you know, like
0: yeah. uh, of
1: what what dates are opening up because, especially with waterfowl, there's so many splits, you know, to to extend that season and uh, they they split it so that ducks open, and then goose is open, you know. And I always I always like to use those splits to you know give myself the opportunity to uh, you know go harvest my elk.
0: I have seen with uh, a lot of veterans and HD Outdoors, I know that you know. We We've done a lot with them over the years and our old buddy bud went out and, and got a big mule deer with hd outdoors this week so uh there are some pretty big animals being uh, being taken and it's kind of cool to see
1: yeah you know it's, it's it's great to hear you know we've had a lot of out-of-staters in in and out of the store and you know a lot of times uh, they're here for a four-day trip and they uh, harvest their animal the first or second day, so you know a lot of twiddle, twiddling their thumbs yeah. or or trying to book other trips. And um, you know, last week I had the chance to take a, a guy and his father uh, father-in-law out uh, fishing, and uh, it's kind of nice that you know when these out of staters are here that they can kind of experience some different different aspects of it whether it's floating the river or maybe walleye fishing or you know maybe going and visiting the indoor range or something so
0: yeah and and then obviously as long as you send those out-of-towners to rocky mountain discount sports you guys can get them hooked up with all of the different licenses if maybe they wanted to head it out to a river Bend and shoot Mm -hmm. some pheasants or you know find someone to take them out duck hunting they got to get all their stuff and they can get it here
1: yeah, and uh, we we actually went out to Riverbend this last week and just uh, kind of played around, took the new pup out and just explore that. And the cover that they have out there this year is fantastic. So it might be a little bit uh, tougher hunting than, uh, than normal just because there's more places for those critters to hide. But um, it's I'm looking forward to a pretty exciting year out there.
0: Now, come on in and check it out here, at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. Make sure you have all your equipment, whether it's cold weather gear or... Uh, maybe rain gear because we've we've been seeing some uh, some rain falling, so having that extra poncho maybe in in your backpack to to be prepared,
1: yeah just especially if it's you know maybe you don't have to have a you know a five hundred dollar pair of uh, Sitka you know uh, rain gear, but you know just having an emergency poncho just in case you don't know how long some of those storms are gonna last and if you're gonna be able to get down off the mountain quickly, so yeah, again, just being prepared, having having some way to start a fire if you need. Um, that type of stuff is definitely helpful, especially this time of year.
0: Yeah, and of course you want to make sure that you have everything snow-wise too because if you're heading up high country, uh, we may melt off here in in Casper Mountain, but some of the really high-up areas, they've already had snow for a couple of weeks now, so it's probably going to be there a while.
1: Yeah, you know, last week when we were hauling out that elk, we brought up a um, a game cart, which you know the sagebrush was too high for the area that we needed to. But you know, a lot of times this year when I'm hunting, I'll, I'll throw my jet jet sled and maybe a game cart in there along with my pack because you know if I can if I can pull out a couple quarters on a on a sled, it's a lot easier than pulling it out on my back in a lot of cases.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So come on in, check it out right here, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports on CY Avenue here in Casper. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. And we are back, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, where, you know, we're not ruling out the fact that it's not going to warm up again here in the next couple of weeks. And maybe you want to rest up and not take a big hike one day and maybe go out and throw a line in the water.
1: It uh, It's going to happen for sure. <laughs> yeah. I will be on the water a couple more times for sure.
0: Now, even though you, you go out and, and you know year-round you can go here in Wyoming, that's one of the, the coolest parts about living here is if you can't get on one of the reservoirs, you can get on the river most of the time and do some fishing. And we've got a, a lot of uh, fun stuff happening. a matter of fact, this last week was a big week for you guys at the Wyoming Walleye Stampede. You announced your dates for 2024.
1: Those dates uh, are now posted um, on our uh, Facebook page and soon to be uh, on our website but uh yeah we're going to be um running two tournaments at Glendo again like normal we'll do our third event at boysen and our championship next year will be held up at pathfinder
0: which this year you had a week out at seminole and, the, and uh boysen was the the championship week
1: just kind of mixing it up a little bit kind of anticipate you know like this last year we knew that we were going to have some low water years uh, up at pathfinder Plus, it also worked out because they were doing a bunch of improvements to the boat ramps and some of the parking up there and a bunch of the campgrounds. But I think next year, Pathfinder is going to fish. Um, going to have that new lake effect, you know, with the water being low. We've got a lot of new vegetation and growth on the shorelines. And uh, there's been some big fish caught up there already, and uh, though it'll continue that way. So I think next year is going to be a, a pretty good year for fishing at Pathfinder. And it just seemed like a good place to uh, hold the championship.
0: I was out at the Beacon Club last week and a guy came up and he's like, I got to show you this. Pulled out his phone, a 32 inch walleye from Pathfinder.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, if a guy is looking for a personal best walleye, I think between Semino and Pathfinder, I think those are your your two best options. Honestly, you're going to catch quantities of fish at Glendo, and you're going to catch good quality fish uh, at Boysen. But you know, Pathfinder and Seminole are are two of the largest reservoirs in the entire state, and they get the least amount of fishing pressure um, out of all of them. So,
0: so you've been out still a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. Have you uh, you been surprised by anything that? With uh, the way the fish are acting?
1: You know, um, me and Noah got out again. Uh, we went out uh, last Sunday, and we um, took my dad, and we took some minnows up there, and we got up there and uh, kind of just bounced around, started inside the marina, and didn't catch any fish in there this time. But uh, we, uh, we caught 25 or 30 fish, uh, no, no big ones. Biggest one was probably 19 inches. But um, my dad wanted some fish to to take home, so we uh, got got him six fish, uh, and uh, everything you know was 14 to 17 inches is is what we took home, and uh, we released the 119 incher. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a great reservoir. I mean, it's 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 you know. It's tough. People worry about all the, uh, you know, low water obstructions and, and rocks and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But, you know, if you uh, take your time and you, you know you're not zipping across shorelines, you know, I think you can you can fish that reservoir pretty safely.
0: Yeah, and you always say this anyway, but you know, trust your electronics. If if it looks shallow, it's probably shallow.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, there's only a few mapping programs that actually have uh, Pathfinder on there. Mm-hmm. So you know, when at Pathfinder and what I, what I like to do and I have done over the years is that anytime I, I see an obstruction, you know, just a, barely see a rock coming over the, out of the water, I'll just nose up to it, put a, a waypoint on it, put a big old skull and crossbones. And oh, yeah. that tells me that there's something there that I don't want to get too close to. Right. And it also means that, you know, on, during the high waters, there's going to be a, a structure under the water that I might want to fish too. So a lot of those, you know, that I've marked, I kind of go over kind of check the depth of them fish around them fish on top of them uh, and then kind of move on but as you find them use your electronics to mark those uh, just like you would a a river channel just you know plug the middle of it and and that way you'll have that reference for next time you go out
0: we've had you know lots of instances over the last well last year really where the fishing's been really really good and we haven't had that many slow times there have been times where maybe you weren't catching as many as possible but as we approach ice on which you know after we've had you know the last couple of weeks of, of weather we'll be having ice on sometime soon how do you think the ice fishing will end up being when it comes into like january
1: you know i think pathfinder is going to still continue to fish the same it's going to have a lot of little fish you know and you know, the game and fish is really encouraging people to take those smaller fish out because there's just an overabundance of, of fish and a small amount of feed for them. So, uh, don't be afraid to take those 12 and 15, 14 inches out of there. Uh, I think Glendo's going to fish phenomenal. Um, you know, guys are catching some great crappie. Uh, walleyes have still been fantastic down there, and then boys you know it's kind of a, a local favorite anytime. It's got always has generally has good uh, ice conditions. Uh, good perch catfish ling walleye trout i mean it's got such a smorgasbord of uh of you know good game fish that uh it's it's definitely you know tends to be worth the drive over
0: well you know anytime you can get out and fish is a good time and you should start your fishing trip right here rocky mountain discount sports whether it's for minnows or uh, bait or maybe even are in town and you need to get geared just because you have a couple of days it's a good place to start
1: yeah, you know, uh, getting Noah on the boat this last week. You know, he's he's thirteen and uh, he does a lot of fishing. You know, locally, so Yesness Pond is. You know, he takes his kayak and he runs it down there and fishes there. And he'll he'll tell me days where he'll catch fifty, sixty fish. You know, a lot of just you know hand sized perch and or a. Uh, um, bluegills but you know it keeps keeps a person interested and then you know we still have the uh, the duck ponds over there off of brian stock trail and uh it if you're just trying to keep your kid entertained for an hour or two especially once
0: the ice is on uh it's a great little place to go and uh, you'll be surprised what you catch and of course if you have any questions you can always ask them here at rocky mountain discount sports they enjoy hearing from you Wyoming Hookin' and Huntin' Outdoors with Drew Kirby. If you have a question, want to make a comment, or have an idea for a show topic, message us on the My Country mobile app. Wyoming Hookin' and Huntin' Outdoors.